Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Del Flug comes at the pitch. Ripped into left center field, racing over as a lean. The center fielder dies, won't get there. It's going to roll all the way to the wall. Hacker scores, Schwellenbach around second, pumping for third. He's in there with a triple, and the Huskers do extend their lead, 8-3. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are. Our welcome back to another night of Sports Nightly, a Wednesday night, hump day night of the program. So glad you're with us here this evening. Coming up tonight on the program, we're going to have a full practice report. We heard from both coordinators earlier today, Eric Chenander on the defense, Matt Lubick on the offense. We'll give you a full detailed report of what they had to say as we truck along toward the May the 1st spring game that will wrap up spring football practice for the Huskers. So a lot to get to with those two gentlemen here in just a couple of minutes. Hour number two, we're going to talk a lot of baseball. Luke Roscom is going to join us, the Husker senior, one of the super seniors on the team that came back taking advantage of the NCAA rule. He's played terrific defense both at first and catching, and he's hit the ball pretty well. So we'll sit down with Luke and get his take on this 2021 season, which currently has the Huskers in first place in the Big Ten Conference. Lane Grindle will stop by for our weekly chat, our Major League Baseball insider. We'll get the latest from him on what's been a pretty good start for his team, the Milwaukee Brewers, who blasted the Cubs today up at American Family Ballpark. We'll buy or sell in hour three, and we'll also hear from some Husker football players who met with the media earlier today as well, that in the third hour of the program. And as always, want you to be a part of it at 531-500-4686, either with a call or a text. If you dial us up, you'll be doing so on our Sports Nightly Hotline, which is brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. But we start with the the news of men's basketball, Ben. A couple of additions, as Tim told us in the ticker. We knew about these, but today opens up a month-long spring signing period for a lot of sports, including men's basketball. And Fred Hoiberg wasted no time getting the two signatures that he has secured uh, since the end of the season out in Wiltshire, the transfer from Xavier and Kuyanitz, who is a – Maybe a bit of a project, a big, tall fellow from overseas that's going to be added to the roster. Um, I think there's a good additions to the team. Yeah, I think they they each bring an individual um, skill set to what they uh, you know what what the team wants to do. Um, you know, Wilcher was the first one to of these guys to 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 commit, um, and you know, I think the uh, the upside here is is will continue to grow the older that he gets. You really saw him play well as the season progressed for um, for Xavier and, you know, start to play more at the end of the year and really start to play good basketball at the end of the year. And, um, you know, the release that came out today, Coach Hoiberg was very complimentary of his shooting coming out of high school and how that uh, can come over and translate to what, um, what they want to do here at Nebraska. So, I mean, I think he – uh, will be a good a good addition the older that he gets and is definitely an intriguing prospect and um, you know 
Oleg Koyanets is also intriguing in the fact of just his size. I know we talked about him when he um, first committed here, but anytime you see seven foot written on a roster, it gets your attention rather quickly. He does have some room to fill out a little bit as well. Um, but, you know, it's that's always intriguing to me, making that um, transition from international ball to college basketball. There's always um, a different skill set that's required and a different type of game that's played overseas. So that's something he's going to need to um, adjust to from, you know, where he was playing over in Europe. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how that kind of translate here. But he does have – USA basketball ties and his family, which I think will help him. So both of these guys are pretty interesting. The head coach is supposed to have a press gathering tomorrow. We are currently slated to have Coach Hoiberg on the program tomorrow night, so looking forward to sitting down with the head coach. We've not heard from him, really, since the season ended in Indy at the Big Ten Tournament. It's been over a month now, or right at about a month ago that that ended. So that's news from that camp today. Baseball, Will Bolt had a presser earlier today where he did announce that Nebraska did submit a bid to host a regional uh, come June. The bids were due on Monday. Nebraska did put in a bid. The committee, the NCAA Baseball Committee, will review these in the coming weeks and they are going to select them. They're going to pre-select them this year because of COVID to make sure that all the safety protocols are in place. Normally, the regionals aren't announced until the night before the full field is put out. That's over Memorial Weekend. Uh, but they're going to do it differently this year because of COVID. So we will know the regional sites by early May. They, they've said they're going to give schools a good month's notice to get everything buttoned up and ready to go. That's not far away. I mean, today's the 14th of April, so we're almost to the middle of this month. So if it's early May, you're talking about three weeks out for that. Nebraska has not hosted a regional since 2008. Uh, They had a handful of them uh, for about a decade there, and they were a blast. I know people who've gone to them say it's one of their uh, fondest memories of Husker sports is attending those regionals. That would be a hoot. It doesn't want it. doesn't guarantee that you're in the tournament. If they pick you, you still have work to do. You can't just put it on uh, cruise control from there to the end of the season. you got to keep playing good baseball to get in because if you host and you're not in, too bad. You still have to host, right, Ben? You, you can't just say, oh, our team didn't make it. We're now out. You got you, Once you commit, you're in. Yeah, and it's going to be that way for the Super Regionals as well. Yep. So I, I do think you need to be smart um you know of course you know if you're a team that feels like you you're going to compete then then absolutely you're going to do that but yeah that's that's an interesting wrinkle um that they did put in the stipulations about that 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 you're going to host regardless because of all the protocols that are going to be required to get get it set up it also does not guarantee that you're a one seed you could get in you could be a two or a three so you might host as a two or three seed, now I don't know how much difference that really makes, but um, that that's the way it could be. You, you, it doesn't mean you're the number one seed and you would automatically put the four seed if you're hosting. You could be the two or the three and host. And I believe one of those times, boy, I'm really scratching the memory here. I believe, didn't one of the times Nebraska hosted they weren't the one? Is Does that sound right to you or not? I kind of thought there was a year Nebraska hosted and they weren't the one seed. The most uh-huh. recent example that I can remember was Missouri State. Um, they there they, you they go. were supposed to host a regional, and uh, they weren't able to because they, they could only rent out the minor league facility 
That's right. um, for, for so long. And so it ended up going to Arkansas. Yeah, and, nice. <laughs> of course, Arkansas ended up winning that um, winning that regional pretty easily because of, of where they were at. But, yeah, that was um, – that was that definitely super. Was that a super? That was a super. Yeah, that yeah. was a super that that happened. They were able to host the regional, and I believe, I believe, Iowa played in that regional when, uh, yeah, when that when that happened. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely not something that we were used to. Congratulations, you win the regional. You're supposed to host the super regional, but you can't. So we're going to send you to Arkansas, one of the, the toughest places to play. Uh, well done. There's there's your uh, there's your prize for that. Also, uh, we, we talked about this topic with Sam McEwen last night on the program about the one-time transfer rule. Multiple reports today are saying that, that the committee has officially approved it. It's going to be fully announced tomorrow that the one-time transfer rule will be in effect for all sports beginning immediately. And this has not been the case in about five NCAA-sanctioned sports. Football, Men's and women's basketball, volleyball, or baseball and hockey are the other ones. Volleyball has has not operated under that. Um, and so now football, men's and women's basketball and baseball are going to go under this where you can transfer, don't have to sit out like a Logan Foster did uh, in last year for Nebraska. You're going to be eligible immediately. You and I opined about it a little bit last night. I do want to go back to, to Monday. Scott Frost met with the media on Monday, and he was asked his thoughts about the, the potential that this would happen later in the week. Uh, is he in favor of it? Does he not like it? What are, what are his thoughts? Here was his answer from back on Monday. I, you know, I, I see it this year. I don't see the transfer waiver just being this year. I think that's going to be... My guess is that's going to be permanent and, and last longer than that. Um, it's going to create a new dynamic that's going to be tough. Um, it, it's tough for me to comment because I think for, from a, a player standpoint, uh, it's fair for them to have the opportunity to go wherever they want to and play. Um, it can be a headache for, for guys like me in the coaching business. Um, I would comment more, but I don't think my opinion matters. Uh, it's just going to change the landscape of everything. And um, all the transfers that you saw this year, I, I imagine that those numbers will, will stay high. And um, th- there's there's usually more people transferring than there are spots for them to transfer. So uh, hopefully that normalizes at some point, because I don't think it's in kids' best interest usually uh, to be jumping around as much as we're seeing right now. This has been debated, and, and and even Bill Moose on his shows over the last year plus, Ben, we've touched on this topic, and he was he was strongly opposed to this. I think he's, as he said, he's kind of evolved his thoughts on this as we've gotten closer to this day or tomorrow's when it's going to be officially announced. Then maybe it's not that bad a thing. I, I don't know. I mean, I. I'm a little nervous that this is going to be kind of popping the genie out of the bottle and you can't put it back in once you make this move and go down this path. I see it both ways. I understand both ways, but um, we are certainly venturing into uncharted territory in the college sports with this decision. Yeah, like we talked about this a little bit last night, I think this is a really complex issue. I mean, I feel like we'd almost need to dedicate an entire hour of our show to – break down all the different avenues of, of what this is going to affect. But I'll, I'll just throw out my, and, and let me preface this by saying, I understand why 
Coach Frost chose not to expound further because um, <laughs> he's 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 in a tough spot of speaking on behalf of himself and his coaches and on behalf of his players because I think there's definitely a division when it comes to this particular um, situation. Uh, he didn't want to say anything that that would upset either one of his coaches or his teammates, so I, I think he made the right call there. But I also think my biggest concern with this, and it has been all along, is you're going to have kids making decisions to transfer at all points in the calendar year now, um, with, not going to matter when. And I also feel um, – my biggest concern that kind of feeds off of that. And again, my, the entire time, my biggest concern has been under the table type recruiting happening with, you know, a coach hearing through the grapevine through someone in their camp, a high school coach, a high school teammate, um, an uncle, um, you know, a former player, whatever that player X is unhappy. Uh, What's going to stop that coach and that coaching staff from finding a, finding that kid's number or some private way to communicate with him and say, hey, you know, we'll have a spot for you? Basically, open recruiting um, for a kid that's already on a campus. You know, let's just use, and there's no context to this, but I just feel like it's a good example. Wandale Robinson, for an example. Um, there's nothing that would have stopped Kentucky, Purdue, Texas, Notre Dame, anyone else from reaching out to him or his family or people around him, even if not him directly and saying, Hey, I'm hearing rumors that you're not happy up there in Lincoln. Um, you know, this is what we have to offer here in South Bend, or this is what we have to offer in Lexington, Kentucky or Tallahassee, Florida. That's what makes me nervous about it is instead of a player having an issue and going to the coach and saying, look, I, I, I wish this would be different, or this is how I feel about this subject, or I wish you would have handled this differently. I wish I would be used like this way instead of that way. Instead of that, it's going to be how can my situation get better without having that difficult conversation and just going someplace else. That that's my biggest fear is you're going to have open roster poaching essentially and having no penalty for it. And and I people say that's going to be extreme, but I guarantee it's going to happen if it hasn't happened already. Um, and, and I don't know that that there's any controlling it because I think there's always going to be a loophole or somebody that. Um, wouldn't necessarily fit under the microscope of an NCA investigation that that could that could find out um, who's doing that and and how how you could be that liaison for a player and a different coach. So that really worries me. And and you know I kind of feel like it's going to happen. And you know what what's going to end up happening is those numbers are just going to keep rising and players are going to keep you know ditching out on their schools and and finding better situations for themselves. On our text line, Dale at Hastings goes, guys, does this the transfer rule mean that a player can transfer out multiple years without sitting out? I don't think so. This is a one-time transfer. You are allowed to – you get kind of one free card. You want to use it after your freshman year, fine. You can transfer and play right away. But if you want to do it multiple times, I don't – If I'm maybe I'm wrong on this, Ben, but no, I don't think – if you do it a second time, you do have to sit – a year out so that you don't have a Jariah Horn deal where you're bouncing to a different school every year. Uh, you, you get one kind of, one kind of free pass car, but then, and then you, I think you fall back into the old stipulations that if you transfer a second time, you have to sit a year. 
Yeah, that it's from what I understand and how I read it. And again, this isn't official quote until I think Thursday, until tomorrow. It's tomorrow, I think. yeah. Um, so we'll get we'll get all the details laid out for us when this is, I guess, technically official or public. But yeah, that's that's my interpretation of it. That it's a one time free transfer, and then right. um, you know, a wa- either a waiver would be required, or you'll have to sit the year. Yeah. So that that may slow it down. So you you better you better if you're going to use your one time deal, you better be sure that's the right move to make because you're not going to get a second crack at that. At least that's how I understand that. So that's coming tomorrow. Multiple reports today say that they have the votes that it is going to be be pushed through to and announced officially tomorrow. All right. When we come back, we'll dive into tonight's practice report here from both coordinators. That's coming up next. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. And tonight's practice report brought to you by JTEC Construction. JTEC Construction, the official exterior experts of the Huskers. Coordinator day today for Husker football practice. At least we'll be focusing on now. We'll hear from some players a little later on in the show. So we'll start first with the offensive side of the ball with offensive coordinator Coach Matt Lubick. And uh, obviously uh, it's a work in progress with the offense from last season to now. Coach Lubick talked about first how the spring has gone so far. Yeah, just uh, steady. Uh, guys are the attitude's been great in the spring. We throw a lot of stuff at guys, um, our whole offense, and then some. When we go into a game, we'll probably do about a quarter of what we've installed now. So guys are really handling it well. I've uh, been really impressed with guys the way they're studying off the field and daily improvement. You know, we talk about we want guys to constantly strive for just getting better each one day at a time, and, and we see that at really all position groups on offense. So, Coach Lubick's thoughts on uh, just where they're at right now. Sounds like a, just a big info dump right now for the offense and breaking in some new parts. I think that part's important. Some of those new parts at wide receiver. Coach Lubick talked about the wide receiver progress and it, if he is satisfied there. Happy with him. You know, we're a work in progress. Uh, a lot of improvement. La- last year, we played a ton of first-year players. And so that's a huge difference. Everyone, like an Oliver Martin, a Levi Falk and Alante, a Betts and Omar, all those guys of their first year. So there was a lot of thinking. Now those guys are feeling a lot more confident because they understand the offense. They're playing faster and they've made plays. And and the, the quarterbacks are throwing some really good balls. I, I'm really happy with the way our quarterbacks have, have improved their accuracy. Uh, and it's, as, as a coach, it's been fun to watch. Hmm. I'm always intrigued by this group. What do you make of that? Yeah, sounds encouraging. I think there are some positive things that they're seeing out of this thing. I love the the, the, the final comedy made there about the accuracy is better. It has to be, right? I mean, Nebraska just made too many mistakes, and Mario Verdusco alluded to that when he met with the media a week ago. I like that, and we're still, we're kind of hearing the same names, aren't we? Betts and Martin and Manning and uh, Toure. We're hearing the same guys come up, that, and that's probably – that's that's going to be your your front line group at least going into into the summer. Yeah, need more production there, and uh, I think everybody will kind of wait and see uh, what what type of uh, passing attack, and we'll get more on that here in just a second. 
Uh, but let's let's talk about the guys throwing them the ball, the quarterbacks, and what Coach Lubick wants from those guys. Just consistency. So making good decisions, uh, throwing the ball on time, uh, taking command of the huddle, and you know, especially for the, the first year guys like uh, like Heinrich Harburg, who's doing a great job, and really Logan's taking a lot more reps. It's hard for those guys because they got a lot on their plate, and they're doing a really good job with it. This is a good time for them to be swimming in it right now. I think. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I loved his one comment about. We're, we're, everything we've thrown at them, we, we're going to use, what did he say, one quarter of that maybe for a game yep. plan? So, yeah, you, you it's like drinking out of a fire hose right now. It is just coming. It's just all over your face. You can't, even, you, can't, you can't drink fast enough to keep up with it. But it sounds like the guys are at least giving it their all right now. And this is – what, what this points out to me, Ben, too, is how badly a team like Nebraska with a lot of different parts and trying to build missed – out on not having last spring when they couldn't do some of this install stuff. And so uh, this is a valuable time of year for uh, all football teams, obviously, but I think for a Nebraska team that's trying to get their program going again. Yeah. All right, let's talk about what we just mentioned a moment ago, the the passing game, particularly vertical passing, downfield passing. Coach Lubick addressed that subject today. Yeah, it's something we always emphasize. We want to always stretch the field both vertically and and horizontally, make the people defend the whole field. Um, it, it's it, it's a, actually it's, it's a whole offense too. So it's offensive line given protection. It's the quarterback will have confidence stand in there and the receivers you know, getting open. And we've completed more deep balls than we've completed last spring or even in fall camp. And and guys are getting some confidence in that. But it's it's something we always stress. Yeah, really a three three part sequence here. Getting the time to throw the ball, quarterbacks putting it where they need to, and then the receivers making the play. And if any one of those three things doesn't go right, it's not going to end in, in the result that you want. It, it does. I chuckle because I just remember everybody last year after the first couple of games were like, "Why aren't they pushing the ball down the field? Why is it all these little dink and dunks and these wide receiver screens and stuff that don't seem to go anywhere?" Well, I think that this I think they've realized you got to try to push the ball down the field a little bit. I even remember making a comment that I can't remember what game it was. Might have might have been Purdue where Nebraska took a shot. It was an incomplete pass what I said to Matt I go. I'm okay with that. That's, that's a, push the ball, make the defense at least respect that you may take a shot down the field. That could loosen things up a little bit. It might hold the safety back another half step that he can't get out to the edge on a shorter uh, shorter route or even a run play a little bit. So it, it's just funny because we talked so much about not stretching the field last fall, and now we're hearing the coaches talking about doing just that. Are there any su- surprises this spring, something that Coach Lubick hasn't uh, expected? Here's his answer. The, the receiver position is interesting because a lot of those guys were first-year players last year, and so it's just naturally for them to take a step up. Um, Adrian is a guy that's to me you know I, I thought he had a good last year especially with his uh his completion percentage and really improved towards the end of the year he's taken it another level from a leadership standpoint and an accuracy standpoint um and i, I even think from a fitness standpoint i always knew he's a good athlete and, and fast but he looks even a step faster and he's uh he's throwing balls on time he's he's really making the receivers and tight ends and everybody look good because uh, he, he's putting the ball where he's supposed to be on a consistent basis. So he's, he's jumped out at me. I mean, Austin Allen's leadership, he's taken that to the next level. And, and uh, you know, he's a senior. He's probably one of our best players last year. 
but he is not content with that. I mean, he's 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 taken his practice habits and the will to win, and which rubs off on everybody else to another level. Thoughts? Love it. Good. Sounds encouraging. You know, when you hear multiple coaches say that Adrian looks good, that's good news, right? And that's your starter. You want him to be looking good. And so, yeah, a lot of positive things right out of that comment from Coach Lubick. Especially when uh, probably not getting pushed as much now as he was a year ago. Correct. All right, let's switch gears, talk some defense here. Coach Shenander meeting with uh, members of the media. And first, uh, is the defense where it needs to be at this time of the year? Here's what he said. Uh, I think we're we're getting close. Um, you know, today was the first red zone day, uh, so we got some of that uh, part of the install done. Uh, most of the base install is in now. Just fine tuning things, uh, getting some young guys a lot of reps. Obviously, the older guys, especially those six year guys, have come back and they've had a lot of experience uh, with us with the system. Um, but it's important to get those young guys some reps. And I think the way that we've got practice uh, structured, those guys are getting a, a lot of work. And I also want to see some guys with different groups. You know, move and some of the ones around and the twos around and just seeing how guys work together. But we're, 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 we're getting there. We're, we're about where we should be at this point in spring ball. One of the benefits of having so much experience and not having to use this so much as you think about the offense, breaking so many new, new guys, Coach Shenander can get uh, some, can experiment a little bit and, and try guys, mix, mix and match a little bit, you know, play injury scenarios out and see how certain guys work together. Big, isn't it, to be able to get that done? Um, Coach Chen's got this thing pointed in the right direction. I just, there's just, I think he, he isn't overselling it because I don't think he has to because I think he likes exactly where they are right now. Coach Hernander also t- expounded a little bit on mixing the reps with the ones and the twos and changing some things up. You guys have watched us. We won three games last year, so everybody needs reps. Um, but there's there's guys that – you know, need to play with the ones because they're an ankle away from being a one. Um, so that that's the challenge. Just just getting um, just getting the guys. You know, right now I feel like we got the right guys on the bus. Now it's just figuring out what seat they need to get in. Uh, so we're 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 changing those groups up. Uh, it's been really good to see a lot of young guys um, get a lot of reps, especially those guys in the back end. Um, those older guys don't care if they play with the ones or twos. They just love to play football. That's why they came back. So uh, they understand why people are going with different groups. Uh, but I think you know, just finding that 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 good mesh of, of who's who's supposed to be where, and then who's the next guys we can count on if if something happens. Kind of expounding a little bit on what we just talked about there uh, with Coach Chins. Also, big part to this is the guys part of this team who. Um, did not have a spring ball last year, but having a spring ball right now, Coach Nander addressed those guys a little bit today. Yeah, I don't know if, you know, not getting the chance to see what they could do, but, I mean, there's guys out there, like one guy like Feldarius Payne comes to mind, right? He comes in, um, he has a shoulder deal, so he doesn't get a, a good strength conditioning session. Then spring ball gets canceled on him. You know, then the fall camp is moved back. So, you know, he was a guy that just needed a great uh, summer and winter conditioning, and he needed a big spring ball. So this will be a great year for him. He's been through the program now. He's healthy. Um, you know, he's been in the weight room. He's got a lot of reps this spring. So guys like that, and there's, there's other ones, um, you know, at that position, obviously Blaze Gunnerson and some of those guys that were injured and Jamari Butler, um, seeing some of these DBs, the young guys play and some of the uh, defensive linemen. Uh, but, but there's a lot of guys that just, 
you know, they didn't benefit from no spring ball, no winter conditioning because of injuries and those types of things. Some of the names Coach Chins mentioned right there are names we get asked a lot about on this show, and so hopefully uh, some more context there about where those guys are in their development. I'm a big Feldarius Payne guy, Ben. I really think he could be a big disruptor off the edge. I think he has those abilities, and we saw him a lot last year in past situations, and then you hear the backstory that he didn't get to do a lot of off-season training I think he could be a secret weapon. Sam McEwen last night said he spent a lot of time in the 30-minute session last week watching Mike Dawson work with those outside backers and said he was spending a lot of time with Blaze Gunnerson and Jamari Butler as well. So I think there's some potential from some of those guys to break through and maybe be that pass rush phenom that we've been waiting waiting for for four or five years around here. Yeah. Coach Anders, speaking of Feldarius Payne, elaborated a little bit on what he's seen from the D-line. Yeah, there's just, uh, you know, it's just going to be how many reps can, can go around right now. But I, th- I feel really good. Uh, Coach Tuioti's got done a good job with that group. Uh, obviously, we all know, you know, Ben's, Ben's out, like Coach said. Um, but he, he came on really strong at the end of the year. Uh, you know, Ty Robinson, you know, Casey Rogers, uh, Damian Daniels are all playing well. Mosai Newsom, you know, there, there's a ton of guys. DeAndre's playing well this spring. He's back. You got the young guys, Nash and, and Ruquan. And uh, shoot, there's a, there's a lot of guys. Colton Feast is a guy, you know, that walked on from Utah in the Nebraska that's done an unbelievable job for us. So that group is getting a lot of depth. Now it's just trying to find the happy medium of how many reps to give out. Uh, once we once we line up for real, uh, how many do you take away from those those starters or those next guys in and, and just getting the rotation. But I think when you're playing defensive line, you know, in order to play really good football, you need to be fresh. And so the more guys that we have that we can count on, the better that the ones are going to be and then the better the twos are going to be. So interesting thoughts there on the D-line. We've heard a little bit from Coach Tuioti on that, an area that we haven't necessarily heard from, but I think we can expect pretty heavy competition there in the fall considering where Nebraska was at with some injuries. Competition for the second cornerback spot next to Cam Taylor-Britt. Here's what Coach Shenander had to say. Yeah, that that cornerback competition, you know, to – not that anybody has a job. Nobody's got a job yet, um, you know, but Cam's play a lot of football. That other, that other job is, is going to be an interesting one to see. Quentin, um, you know, he's played reps. He's taken reps as a, in the game. Um, now he's just got to go up and he's got to take that job. Someone's got to take that job. That job's not going to be given away because of competition. There's been, you know, years past where some go- jobs have kind of been given away just by, you know, matter of, there wasn't a lot there or you were the oldest guy and there's a bunch of freshmen in the room that job's not going to be given away somebody's gonna have to take it um so you know you guys got q you got braxton clark you got the dad joseph you got a lot of guys all, all in there fighting for a fighting for another job it uh that that intrigues me too quite a bit because i, yep. I like all, i don't think it's just going to be a well, we got to put somebody there. Let's put him in there type scenario. I think there, there's going to be pretty stiff competition for who gets the reps there based on each one of those guys' circumstances. Love Braxton Clark two years ago, but coming off of an injury, is he completely back? I don't know. Reporters that were at the 30-minute open session last week said he wasn't in uniform. Quentin Newsom did some good things last year in that secondary, and I think he could certainly be good. And Nadab Joseph's name keeps popping up, Ben, as a guy that I think is pushing hard for some playing time. So, yeah, I'm with you. That That's a that's a spot to watch Saturday in the open practice and certainly a, a spot to watch at the spring game on May 1st. 
Absolutely. We'll wrap up here with Coach Shenander with uh, the open practice that's scheduled here this week and how his players are approaching this unique situation. Uh, I don't think they need it. Um, if you can't get excited to play football at this level, you probably shouldn't be here. Um, but will it be nice? Absolutely. Um, shoot those guys. We, we all know that playing at Nebraska, one of the, you know, the best parts of that is Saturdays you know, in Memorial Stadium. And you know, those guys got that taken away from them last year a little bit by no fault of their own or anyone else's. Um, so having some people back to watch them will be nice. Um, that spring game should be really nice for them. Um, you know, those guys, those guys love, love the fans. And it's not, I don't think it's, they get up for the fans. They just love to play for the fans because they know how supportive they are, you know, the people of Nebraska are and the fans of Nebraska are to them. So they just love playing for the fans. Um, but it'll be, it'll be really nice for them to have people back in the stands. Should be interesting to see how this performs and, uh, and what the coaches have them do with people watching. Going to be great, isn't it? And uh, hopefully the weather's decent on Saturday for that. And it uh, should be a lot of fun for folks to get out there and watch what this team's doing here during a very important spring. Here we are back for hour number two, Sports Honor. We're going to talk some baseball this hour, Husker baseball, Major League Baseball. We'll mix in both. Great to be hearing those NCAA volleyball tournament scores from Tim. I just was noticing that they're doing – they have four different – times for today and tomorrow and they're going to start matches at 9 30 tonight that just seems odd to me um and these are presets so even if matches on the same court as yours ends early you can't move it up you got to keep it at those set start times that, that just doesn't i i, I <laughs> am i wrong to think that i know they started at 11 today they went 11 236 9 30 <laughs> i think i'd have gone back an hour ben i think i would have gone 10, 135, and 830. I, I don't know. I don't, they didn't ask me, though. Not sure a lot this of that. Isn't, uh, it's not the first time that we've disagreed with a tournament format. Ah, dang, um, 930. Before. <laughs> I mean, I know they're college kids. They're pro- I mean, hey, 930, they're, they're not even thinking about going out yet at 930, right? I mean, you, you and Tim and Austin are much closer to that age than I am, but 930, I know, is early to the kids, but not us old folks. Um, Another guy just getting old is Luke Roscombe, Ben. He's one of those super seniors. He's been around the program a while. Yeah, sure has, and has really turned into a, a big part of the team this year, although not starting the, the season in the everyday lineup. He's really had to earn his way on the field, and, and boy, has he sure done that and was lucky enough to talk to Luke earlier today and three weeks in a row of, of success for the boys out there on the diamond. I just started out by asking Luke uh, what what the feeling is in the, with the team right now, how how the mojo and how the vibe is. Um, It's good. We're all excited to you know, be playing really good baseball right now. Um, all aspects of the game, we're just trying to keep um, our momentum going and uh, keep winning some ballgames here. Luke, as you know, you, you've done this long enough to know that in every baseball season there are peaks and there are valleys. How, how do you try and keep this team somewhere in the middle? I know we're tasting a lot of success right now, but it's, it's a long season. How, how do you try and keep the mindset as one of the older guys on a steady level to try and keep those, those valleys from getting too low? You Honestly, you just try to show up and treat every day like the same, whether it's game day or practice. Like You want to show up with the same mindset 
uh, show up with a working mentality and just be ready to go for whatever's thrown at you. I mean, it, this game's obviously hard. It's a it's a game of failure, right? So if if you take those highs too high or those lows too low, you're never going to be a consistent player. So at least try to take every day the same and just keep working hard. Speaking of, of taking every day, how have you taken every day? This has been an unbelievable journey for you, uh, especially considering everything we've gone through this last year with COVID. But how have you just personally kind of embraced every every day that's gone by and, you know, your last Husker ride? Yeah, and I'm taking it all in. Obviously, uh, playing here for five years is – I'm extremely blessed to be here. The fan base is awesome. The coaches have been awesome. My teammates are – you know, some of the best people you could ever be around. So I'm just trying to really cherish every every moment. And even if it's, like, practice or games, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm, I'm just trying to have a good time and, you know, make this last ride fun. You, you mentioned your teammates, Luke. I, I've been around a lot of Husker baseball teams in the past. This team seems really close and, and not just in a sense of this, you know, you, Mojo, and Joe being close because you're the older guys. It seems like a nice blend of – freshmen newcomers everybody just seems to get along with one another how how is that i suppose compared to maybe some of the other teams that you've been on and how much does that help on the field when you guys are so close yeah when when you allow people to be um who they are like they they don't have to hide anything they can just be themselves and you know and enjoy their characteristics and let their true self show it makes it a lot easier for everyone like playing when when you're comfortable with everyone around you and you know you trust your brothers to your left and right it makes the game a lot easier because you're not worried about your own personal success like you're cheering for your teammates to actually do good and you want everyone to do good you're just cheering and being a good teammate really makes this game a lot easier that, that kind of leads into my next question about you and some of the older players. Some of you guys have had to wait your turn a little bit, and you know you weren't in the lineup every day to start the season, but it seems like when, and not just the older guys, some of the younger players too, when your numbers are called, it seems like guys are rising to the challenge. What, what has been unique this year just about how many different guys, Luke, in your lineup can contribute? And you, know, you, might, not, you might not be in there that day, but somebody in there probably will get the job done. I, it's it's extremely um, satisfying, honestly, for me as um, an older guy. Like, even if I'm not playing, I want all the players in the lineup to do great, and I want to win. Like, that's the bottom line. We all want to win. So the only thing you can do is literally wait for your name to be called and just keep preparing. Like, and that's what this team has done. We're, we just got a bunch of hardworking guys that are ready to get after whenever their name's called and just play their hearts out. That being said, you have been making the most of your opportunities this this year. You've really put in some nice ABs, even if they haven't rewarded and hits a lot, a lot of 3-2 counts. I think your plate discipline has gotten so much better you know, throughout your years here. What, what have you really focused on this year, Luke, from your mentality at the plate to make you more successful? Um, I've talked a lot about this with our coaching staff. It's just – being able to stick to our team approach, like dominate that fastball away and then be able to react to the slow stuff. So I'm just sitting out over the plate, ready to hit a fastball. If something, you know, hangs up over the plate, you're ready to hit it. I'm just trying to stay through the middle of the field if it falls hard. And, you know, a big thing for me is taking my walks. Like, yes, my plate discipline is really well, but uh, being able to flush pitches if I swing that ball down or something like that, just sticking to our approach and, you know, trying to hit balls hard in the middle of the field. What's fun about this offense 
when you look at it, how it works. With Jackson laying bunts down, you're, sealing, you're seeing Coach Harvell call double steals. You had a freshman steal home the other day. You guys are still bopping the ball to the ballpark. If, if, you're, if you're talking to somebody listening right now that is considering Nebraska to come play um, for a potential recruit, what would you tell them about how fun this offense can be a part of? Uh, it's really fun being able to, you know, identify who you are as a player. First off, like you're trying to play to your strengths. And so we identify our roles and being able to, a lot of us fitting in all of them, you know what I'm saying? Like we got a bunch of guys laying bunts down. We got a bunch of speed out there. We got a bunch of power still too. Like just being able to be a, a part of a very explosive offense is always a great time. And you get opportunities to drive runs and left and right. You're starting to see uh, a guy that, that you uh, play the same position as behind the dish and Griffin start to swing it a little better. I know he probably hasn't had the start to the, the year that he wanted, but he's run into some pretty tough luck at times, and he's still run into some balls. And Coach Bolt has always um, made it a point to, to say and vocalize how good of a hitter Griffin Everett is. But what's your relationship like with him and maybe how you've helped him um, you know, a guy who really wants to be successful and, you know, you yourself have been through ups and downs through your career. How, how have you kind of been a shoulder for him throughout his start to the year? Yeah, that's why, that's why actually my roommate, uh, me, Griff and, uh, Jake Bonds all live together. So, I mean, I talk to him every day, just even if you're struggling, like you just got to work hard and all you can do is put a good swing on the ball, right? Like you can't control what happens after that. So, me and him have had a lot of conversations just about everything. And, I mean, we both catch. So there's just a lot of talk about between us. So we really have uh, developed a pretty good friendship to bond together. And, I mean, if he's got questions for me, I, I mean, he comes to me. Even if I don't want to talk about stuff, I go to him. Just having that person that you can talk about and just know that someone's got your back, it always helps. But, I mean, he's he's so good, man. Like, he's a big physical dude that can drive the ball he's a really good catcher I mean he's just got to keep trusting himself and keep swinging it like he has is there any containing Jake Buns on or off the field uh yeah off the field yeah on the field he <laughs> feels like he's the he's the baddest dude out there that's, that's his kind of persona I love it like that's how you got to think every time you step to the mound or step to the plate like you you're, you're better than that other person out there so his his mindset's really good out on the field, and he's a really good dude off the field too. Let's talk about your relationship with some of these pitchers. You've had to build relationships with a lot of pitchers over the years, and a lot of new guys this year. I know in particular, you know, you've been working a lot with Chance. How how have 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 you become more comfortable with that of learning not just what type of stuff they throw, what they're more comfortable with, what to say to them when you're out there chatting to them, but. Uh, how to just build that relationship when you guys aren't working together as a battery? Uh, personally, I, the biggest thing for catchers and pitchers uh, relationships is you got to get to know the other person, right? Like, that's the biggest thing. When you're a catcher and you come in and you got a lot of new guys coming in, um, you just got to build a good relationship where they can trust you and they want you behind the plate and you two can go to war together. So, I mean, specifically me and Chance, I got to talk to him since he's got on campus in the fall a lot I caught him and obviously I've been catching a lot in the spring so just talking to him see what he's like off the field just you know taking a personal interest in um, other people's lives is definitely a good aspect of a battery and just a good teammate in general. Luke I get this question all the time and, and I feel like there's nobody better to probably answer it than you about Coach Christie and and why maybe Coach Bolt decided to hire a former catcher 
uh, as his pitching coach, a guy who caught here at Nebraska, caught in the minor leagues, and has been around you know, that part, that angle of it, of calling pitches, but just mechanically, you've had a chance to see him, how he works through pitchers with video, with, with scouting, with study and all that. What would you tell people about what Jeff Christie is like as a pitching coach and how he's an asset there? Uh, first and foremost, he, he generally cares about all of us. Like he, he wants the best out of us and he, he tries to bring it out of us. He, he's so prepared. And every weekend we go into every hitter he faces, making sure that our our pitchers are ready to go too. Like he's he's just worked so hard behind the scenes and I mean he's done a great job pitch calling. I, I trust him one hundred percent with all of the decisions that he makes. But yeah, he's an extremely hard worker, generally cares about his players and is a great guy to have behind us for sure. Luke, I, I want to ask you this one, too, about, about some of your younger players, um, particularly your freshmen. You see guys like Max, who really started to hit from the first weekend against Purdue. Bryce has really come along the last few weeks, and, and, and even Jack, when his number's been called, has been uh, on the money and popping the ball to the ballpark and playing some of your position at first base, too. As a senior, a guy who knows that you know, you're going to be folding up your uniform here in a few months, what's it feel like to know that – this program's going to be turned over to guys like that that you've seen thrive already so early in their careers. Yeah, it's a great feeling. I mean, seeing those guys work hard every day and you know the work they put in is starting to show a little bit too. Like it's just a really satisfying feeling for everyone. I mean, those guys are really good young talents that come to the ballpark every day, ready to work, ready to get better. And even if things aren't going well, if they're staying positive, that's the biggest thing. Um, like they're just ready to go whenever their number's called. Luke, the the best things to come out of State College the last few years weren't just uh, the ice cream they have there. They, uh, I think we swept a series there two years ago, and, and you had the chance to celebrate a championship in State College as well. It's probably pretty fond memories of that place. What, what's it going to feel like going up to, uh, to State College again this week? Yeah, a lot of good memories for sure. I mean, I, honestly, I just want to keep the winning memories going, man. Keep this winning, uh, you know, momentum going and just keep playing hard whatever we do is i mean just control what we can control luke it's been a, a fun ride to this point i know you guys are still focused and just about halfway through the season already hard to believe and i'm um, just trying to, to ride this momentum as long as you can it's been a, it's been a great start to the year let's keep this thing rolling out state college man thanks for the time tonight scum yes sir appreciate it ben you as well, Luke Roscom, Husker Utility Infielder, joining us on our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Easy guy to interview because he can touch on about every area. He's been here for five years. He's been playing multiple positions. He deals with the pitchers. He deals with the catchers. He's a part of the offense. He's done a little bit of everything. Seen a lot, hasn't he? Um, is anybody left from the team that won the Big Ten title? Or is, have we cycled everybody through? Yeah, Luke would have been on that team. That's what I was thinking. Luke and Joe Acker, right, would have been on that team. And Mojo. Yep. Yep. Yep, those three guys would have been in there. What position is he best at? Oh, man, that's a tough question. Um, my my lean is catcher. I, I mean, I, I think it the, is the question, where does he help the team the most or where is he best individually? Because I think if the question is where does he help the team most, it's got to be behind the plate. But, you know, if Luke was going to go try and make it at the next level, I'm not so sure it's not third base. With the way that his arm is and his hands, 
I mean, I, first base too. I mean, I, I would I would feel comfortable putting him in any of the three spots. Yeah, you know, I the third I would probably hedge on third just because I don't know if he has enough range over there. But he's man, he's been good at first. He made three or four just outstanding plays this past weekend at first base, and his catching. And Will Bold has said, has said this: he's gotten better at the play. He's gotten a little bit more movement back there, able to to block that slider, that pitch in the dirt better than maybe he did early in his career. But it's been fun to watch him play. I kind of thought we maybe would see more power in his career at Nebraska, but I think sometimes he gets himself in trouble, Ben, when he tries to swing for the fences. Yeah, and and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think I'm I'm kind of okay with him not hitting for more power because right. we we have said it for years that he's at his best was he he's hitting the ball to left center, and that's when we know he's going well. Um, now, obviously, when he hits two bombs to the deepest part of the park and right center of Hawks Field, <laughs> he's going pretty well too. But um, I mean, he, even his jam shot base hit the other day, in Maryland. I mean, he's not—he's inside out swing, not trying to do too much. Just grounds one through the left side and taking what the defense has given him. Give me that Luke Roscom all day over the guy that goes two for fourteen in a series with one home run. I'll take the other guy all day long. Yeah, Eric and Lincoln on our text line said, "Hey, I love it when Luke hits that hole on the opposite side. Things are going good with him when he's doing that." How was it, Illinois? That he hit one about five miles foul. Yeah. Was that Illinois? Oh, yeah. It went uh, – there was a little what, – what, what's back there? There's The track, there's, isn't there, back there on like that a, side? Yeah, there was like a, a a semi-truck and then batting cages, and he he cleared all of it. And, I, I mean, I didn't even see the ball come down. But, yeah, he absolutely smacked that thing. <laughs> Just crushed it. 531-500-4686, the number if you want to dot us up with a comment or question or fire off a text using our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers U.S. Cellular Connecting Husker Nation. Well, time to talk some big leagues with our insider, Lane Grindle, who's just off of watching the Brew Crew win a series from the Cubs today. That always makes you feel better, doesn't it? Well, yeah, anytime you take care of your divisional rivals, uh, it, it's great. And the Brewers have played three series against their divisional rivals, the, the top two rivals in the division, uh, two against the Cubs and one against the, the Cardinals. Two of those were on the road, and uh, they've won all three series. So, um, absolutely, you, you take that every time. Um, the only series they've lost was the, the opening series of the year to the Twins, and I think the Twins are really good. So, yeah, the Brewers are off to a good start. They're, they, they're kind of what we thought they would be. We thought they were going to be carried by great pitching, that has been maybe an understatement. They've had historic starting pitching to start this year. And we thought that the offense would have some balance to it, have some depth to it. I don't know that anybody thought they were going to be elite offensively, but good offensively. And I think we're starting to see that over the last week or so. We thought they'd be a great defensive team, and they've been that as well. So um, the Brewers are pretty similar to what we thought they were going to be coming into the year. And that is a team that's going to be really hard to beat in the NL Central. You know, it, how nice is it going to be to start playing some other teams? I know you obviously you play your division team a lot, but last year you just matched up with your division and the same division from the other league. It's got to be nice to be thinking about playing some other people around baseball as you get deeper into this thing. Yeah, for sure. We got the Pirates coming in here this weekend, but then the Brewers go to San Diego. The Marlins come in to Milwaukee at the end of the month. The Dodgers come in um, at the end of the month, spanning into the beginning of May. And, and it will be. It's been a while since we've seen those teams. And the Brewers saw the Dodgers 
in the wild card series last year. But other than that, that was the only team that they saw not in the AL or NL Central. So uh, that, that that's going to be very enjoyable. I think everybody's looking forward to that. I know the Brewers are looking forward to going out to San Diego. It's one of the best trips in Major League Baseball, and they get to make that trip next week. So it should be fun. Any storylines that have developed for you as you get through this early on? I mean, I know some teams have had to deal with some COVID issues. I know some Astros went on a COVID list today. Altuve, Bregman, two of those guys. What what what's grabbed your attention the first couple of weeks into this thing? Well, I think the, the I do think the baseball is maybe a little different. Just watching the games. I mean, they said that it was different. They said they changed the baseball, and I believe it. I don't think the ball's flying quite like it did before. Um, so that's one thing that I've certainly noticed. Um, and just, I, I, look, I, I have a front row seat for the Brewers games, and the historic pitching that they're doing is just, I mean, Corbin Burns made his third start today. He went six shutout innings, gave up a couple of hits, and he now, through his first three trips through, no walks and 30 strikeouts in three starts and he's given up one earned run. I mean, that's historic stuff. The 30 strikeouts and no walks is the first time since, like, 1900 that that's happened. The Brewers have had eight straight starts from their rotation in which the starting pitcher's gone at least five innings and given up one earned run or less. And that's incredible. So uh, the the pitching from what Milwaukee's doing is a big storyline in my world uh, for sure. Um, but but I, I think just in general, I mean, the Reds are off to a pretty good start. Their offense is finally what a lot of us thought it would be the last couple of years, and it never seemed to, to turn that corner. Um, I think Kansas City's improved like we thought they were. Uh, I don't know if they win the Central. I don't know that they're that improved, but I think they're they're going to be a tough team to mess with over the course of the season in the AL Central. And, and kind of the the AL East being upside down for a while there was, was certainly interesting, but I think that's get, I mean, it's already writing itself and going to continue to do so uh, as the season moves forward. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's some interesting storylines, but it's still early. I mean, I think that's the thing for everybody. You know, look, the, the Cubs are having a really tough go of it offensively, but that's not going to last forever. They have enough talent there, whether it be Wilson Contreras or – Javier Baez or Anthony Rizzo or Chris Bryant, who's actually swinging it pretty well right now, they're going to be a better team offensively than what they've shown. And so there's a lot of stuff that's going to unfold over the next six weeks that's going to normalize some of these early trends that we're seeing right now. I want to talk to you about replay because there's been some replay reviews that appear to not get the call correct. And I'm thinking about the end of the Braves-Phillies game the other night when, you know, when Bohm slides in, it looks like he never touches the plate. Um, how much chatter does that get around the league? And, and is that is that a story worth following as we make our way through this thing? Yeah, I think it is. We, we all comment on it. Um, you know, in the booth while we're watching the review, we're 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 kind of yeah. scared at times to make a prediction of which way the the the, the review is going to go because even if we can see it clearly. Sometimes that doesn't seem to matter. And and I think that's where people are confused is if you look at Sunday night, he never got the plate. I, 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 every angle I saw, I, I don't think he ever got the plate. And I don't know how you could 
say that he did. And yet, you know, they they upheld it. And you're just going, well, how? Like, how, how does that make sense? Why are we even reviewing it then? Because the evidence that you had on video shows that he didn't get the plate. And so why did we review it? If, 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 if what we saw on video is different from the call, but we're not going to overturn the call, I just don't understand it. And there's a lot of situations like that. And so, you know, the, the, the goal is to overturn the egregious stuff. I get that. But I think if you're going to review something, get it right. And to me, they didn't get it right the other night. Yeah, certainly disappointing that that happened that way. Um, you know, and that falls on New York, right? That I mean, that's where it's coming from. Well, it's the umpires. I mean, um, you know, they take turns going to Chelsea, New York, and, and sitting in the in the studios there and and, and, and reviewing these. So um, sometimes you'll get the notification of who's the review official, uh, the review umps. Um, sometimes you won't. Um, it just you know it just kind of depends on which city you're in and who wants to provide that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's the umpires that are sitting in there and they're they're going through the challenge of their peers. And so you also worry about that. I mean, are they, are they not wanting to overturn one of their peers calls? If it's not just absolutely blatant, I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't think anybody does, yeah. but I think there has to be a little bit better solution than what we have right now. All right. Um, um, you may not want to talk much it's about a Cardinal player because you're such a rival with the Cardinals right now. But Yadier Molina, 2,000 games behind the plate. That's pretty remarkable, isn't it? He's, he's amazing, Greg. He, he's, he's outstanding. I, you know, I, I know that um, if you're a rival of, of the Cardinals or a rival of the Cubs, you know, sometimes you, you might want to not throw the praise on those guys. Well, I, I appreciate great baseball, and I, I appreciate longevity, and, and that's what Yadi Molina has done. He's a great leader. He's a grinder. He never takes a day off. I mean, a catcher that catches every Sunday and, you know, night game, turnaround, day game, he's in there every day. The backup catcher in St. Louis doesn't get many opportunities, no matter who they are. Most people don't even know their name because they don't get to play much because Yachty loves the game. And he is he's, – he, he's, he's a great one, man. He's one of the best that's ever done it at that position. I have been privileged to watch him play. And uh, I got nothing but respect for Yadi Molina. He's he's a tremendous player, and he's probably going to have a statue someday outside Bush Stadium. And boy, that's some pretty good company. Ooh, sure is. All right, two off baseball topic questions for you as we wrap up here today. First, how big a story has it been that Barry Alvarez of Wisconsin, the former Husker, has retired and will step down at the end of June? How big a story has that made up in your area? Well, the the initial um, announcement that he was going to retire got a lot of run um you know barry's an icon here he's the the bob devaney of wisconsin athletics um in, in more ways than one as the football coach and as the athletic director just like coach devaney was so um it has gotten a lot of run he certainly was a very influential guy not just in university of wisconsin athletics not just in the state of wisconsin but in the big 10 footprint and in the national college football footprint as well so um, it's gotten a lot of attention there has been less attention on who the successor will be I think most people are assuming Chris McIntosh his associate AD his deputy AD if you will 
um, that has kind of been groomed for it is going to be the guy. And he very well might be. Um, but you know how these things go. Uh, you have a chancellor that may decide she wants to put her own mark on the athletic department, or maybe she has somebody in mind. There's going to be a search committee involved. So I think most people assume Chris McIntosh is going to have the inside lane on becoming the next AD at Wisconsin, but I don't know that they're going to make that announcement anytime soon. I do think they will go through a process and there may be some other names that emerge throughout that process before it's all said and done. All right, and finally, uh, there's talk that there's been an addition to the Grindle family. What, what, what is this all about? What can you shed light on this? Well, I'm a dog owner now. I mean, I had four <laughs> kids and a cat, and my life was, you know, a little chaotic as it was in the house, but we, we added to it. And, uh, yeah, we, we added a, a Cavapoo named Crew. <laughs> we got him the week before I came home from spring training. He's, a, he's an adorable little pup, and uh, he's a Brewers fan. So he's uh, – He's a lot of work, but he's he's worth it. That's for sure. We we really enjoy him. Very good. All right. Well, have a great week. What's what's up for the crew? You said the Pirates. Pirates come to town, and then the the Brewers go to San Diego, and then go back to Chicago. Third series with the Cubs already coming up next weekend. Wow, crazy stuff. All right, we'll talk next week. Thank you. All right, thanks, Greg. Here we are, back for Hour 3, Wednesday Night Sports Nightly. Tomorrow, Husker Volleyball, 2.30 in the afternoon. You're just going to have to keep your computer speaker a little lower at work so you can listen in to John Bader and Lauren Cook-West. The Huskers now know they will play Texas State tomorrow. Texas State uh, dispatched of Utah Valley in four sets today, so that will be the Husker opponent. There are still matches, as Tim just indicated, going on. By the end of the night, the field will be... Down to 32 teams is all that will be left in the NCAA field. Started at 48, 16 will get dismissed today. Then you have 16 matches tomorrow. After tomorrow, you'll be down to the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. Again, Huskers at 2.30 tomorrow. Coming up this hour, we'll have by sell. We'll also hear from a couple of Husker players who met with the media following today's spring practice, including Oliver Martin, Miles Farmer, Quentin Newsom. We'll hear from all three of those guys coming up later on in the hour. Right now, let's get it going with by sell. It's time to buy or sell. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Tim Curran Sold. and Austin Orman. That's right. Another week of buy, sell. In fact, my, my integrity is on the line because I stand accused of uh, by, by Greg Sharp of not taking buy, sell seriously enough because I don't always get my answers in. Um, it's not just Greg accusing you. Let's just throw that okay, out there. Okay, and I have to say that's, that's probably a fair accusation. That being Man, said, I threw checked. me right into the bus. I checked the – yes, it's true. Uh, there's no honor among thieves, as they say. I checked the standings, and I'm actually – you know, we'll get the totals later. I don't want to bury the, bury the lead here, but I'm actually doing better than I thought. So the, the auto system that Josh has set up is actually working decently for me. So, so hats off to me either way. I may not always be dialed no. in, but – No, no, you can't – you can't do <laughs> – Okay, still, I'm still we got to address something right here. You can't – like <laughs> – Giving yourself a nickname, you can't just give yourself compliments. Like, like I feel like we open every every segment with like Tim complimenting himself on something. You yeah. can't you can't tip your cap to yourself. Look, you gotta show yourself the system. You gotta show yourself some love every once in a while. Like self care, people talk about a lot. It's pretty in vogue. I'm the same way. You know, sometimes you gotta they, love yourself. Yeah, and you you can do that internally. <laughs> 
Well, okay, I will show no love externally to or nor internally to Ben uh, as we go on here. I, I, I don't know what. How so all there won't be any change up, to this segment, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Business as that's, usual. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, but without further ado, we shall dive into the new answers for this week, starting with a Husker baseball question. This was Greg's buy or sell that Nebraska's starting pitchers would throw 15 or more innings this past weekend against Maryland. The answer did end up being a buy. Povich had six and a third. Roach had five and Shanneman had six for a total of 17 and a third innings pitched. We all bought it save for Greg who got it wrong with the sell actually. So wah wah. Got your own question wrong. Got to give yourself a leg up sometimes. Hopefully we can get you off the schneid here soon, Greg. It's kind of rough dating back to last week. See if we can do it with a Josh Masters question. He asked buy or sell that at least four former winners of the Masters finish in the top 15 of this year's version of the event. The answer A, sell. Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed, the only two in the top 15. Spieth tied for third, Reed tied for eighth. So four of us sold it and were correct. Greg and Ben sold correct. Myself and Josh also sold. So Brett and Tim both bought it. Four and two split. Oof. Nice. Well, can't win them all, as they say. Uh, which brings us to a Brett soccer special. He's always got a <laughs> good one cooked up. Buy or sell that. Lionel Messi would be responsible for a goal or an assist and at least two goals against Real Madrid. And the answer ended up being a sell. Barcelona scored just the one goal in a two to uno loss. We all sold it. All got it right. So there we go. A team. Yeah. We're the best. Thanks, Brett. Brett Brett crafts those soccer questions up in a laboratory. I'm very impressed we all got that right. So good, good for us. Pat on the back all around. From maybe the least American sport to the one of the most American sports, Husker softball. Greg, you asked us, buy or sell that Nebraska has more extra base hits than Illinois in last weekend's series. The answer A, sell. The Fighting Illini have one more extra base hit than the Huskers, 11-10. to 10, But the Huskers do win 3-4 of four in the series. Only one for six on this one team. Ben, you're the only one right by selling. Woohoo! Mm, chocolate up for the good guys. Yeah, that was a rough, was a rough stretch for all of us there. That's, isn't that odd that, that they the Illinois had more extra base hits, but we win the series 3-1? That's odd. Yeah. That came out. That's crazy. Yeah, we will take it. We will take it. Going back to Husker baseball, this was Josh's answer, or rather question from last week. Buy or sell that Nebraska would have a game decided by one run against Maryland or a game decided by at least 10 runs. Well, the answer ended up being, being a buy as Sunday's game was won by the Huskers by 11 runs. 14-3 the final. Nebraska really ran away with it. Myself, Austin, and Ben all sold that, got it wrong. But Greg, Brett, and Josh bought it, got it right. Nice. And I said, I remember saying, well, there's no way and somebody's going to win by 10 or more. But I thought there'd be a one-run game. <laughs> Oops. <so. laughs> well, there you go. Half, half the point awarded. Scorebook. And of all the like games, the, I'm glad it was Sunday. There was some consternation going in that I was a bad luck charm yes, given my overall sure track. Yeah, you needed a good performance on Sunday, and you came through. Boy, did we you're get one. You're the Bryce you're Matthews of the yanked. broadcast team. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I will accept that role. Yeah, you're, t- you're talking earlier about compliments giving uh, too, too freely out, and I think that is probably too nice of a compliment. But I, I digress. I'll shut up and let Austin finish out here. 
Last answer from last week. One of my questions from the NBA, I asked, buy or sell that Aaron Gordon of the Nuggets would average at least 15 points per game from last Wednesday through yesterday, or that he would shoot better than 50% from the field in half of those games. The answer, a buy. Only nine points a game, but he was over 50% shooting in exactly half, two of the four Nuggets game, so the answer a bye. We went five for six on this one. Brett, the only one incorrect. All right. Yeah. You know, my, Sorry, my NBA fandom really paying off here. I'm just dialed in. Okay, which brings us to this week's totals, the Everyone Plays edition. Uh, Greg, four of six this week. Not bad, but Ben and Josh did one better. They went five of six on the week. Brett and myself, we went three of six, and Austin four of six, which brings us to the overall season. Toto's leading the pack. Ben McLaughlin at a 60.5% clip, 43 of 71 on the year. Josh just behind him at 42 of 71. And then in a gentlemanly third place, I'm at 41 of 71. And then following that, you have Greg at 39 of 71. And then Brett at 37 of 71. And Austin in last place at a measly 34 of 71, the only player below 50%. So, Austin, uh, got to pick up that slack a little bit, buddy. Yep, Just, it's, it's happening. Week yeah. at a time. You recall the Bryce Matthews earlier of, of this here segment, and I would like to rescind that already, even though I didn't give it out. But So, uh, I'd like to go to my original comment of the section <laughs> about Tim giving himself compliments. Did anybody out there notice that Tim called himself a gentlemanly third place <laughs> and called Austin a measly last place? Yes, it just, yes, it just, I, just I got can't it. stop. Yeah, the astute, the astute listener could have picked that up. Yeah, that's right. I just, you know, uh, it is what it is. But that brings us to this week's brand new questions, and Greg will lead us off. All right, Husker baseball, the topic. Buy or sell that Nebraska has at least 10 extra base hits this weekend against Penn State. Three-game series, 10 extra base hits. Mm. I think it's with? a shade on the high side. I'm going to sell it. I'm buying it. There you have it. Well, I'm I, gonna, I don't. I don't have much that much doubt in this offense right now. I don't have any doubt in the offense, but I'm going to sell it if only because I bet you a game gets canned. Something's something's going to happen. Game gets canned. That's my prediction. Sell. Ten does seem high, but I love it. Give me all the extra base sets. I'll buy it. Well, there you go. Brings us to Ben. All right, here we go. Uh, we are going to go to the world of NBA basketball next. Buy or sell that the Oklahoma City Thunder have at least five different players score at least 20 points in a game the rest of the regular season. Hmm. This, yes, of course, Isaiah Roby's team. I'm buying it. This roster is an absolute train wreck right now. Uh, <laughs> Lou Dort scored 42 last night on 31 shot attempts. They're playing about 14 guys in their rotation, 14 different guys, but everyone seems to be uh, injured at different times. And and so whoever's out there is tending to have to score a lot to keep them in game. So I'm going to buy it. Hmm. I'll let Greg take this one. I get to go last because I had to answer first last all time. Right, well, geez, okay. Put me on the spot. Well, I'm going to sell it. I've watched all of zero minutes. and zero, Actually, ju just kidding. I've seen a couple of Roby highlights. But beyond that, I've seen absolutely zero seconds of OKC Thunder basketball this year. So I'm going to sell it because that sounds like uh, 
a little bit much. So, sell. I am completely opposite of Tim. I don't think you need to watch the Thunder know that five different players scoring 20 points in an NBA game isn't all that big of an accomplishment. <laughs> That's an easy buy for me. How many games do they have left? Um, Let me check. I know they play... Um, because they're not going to make the little play-in goofy thing they're doing this year, so that they're not in that. So they have from they play at least three games next. They, they have play from at least today, three games next week. Through, they have like seventeen or eighteen, don't they? Yeah, through May sixteenth is their last game. Yep. Okay, so they got seventeen games. Got yeah, I'll buy it. Why not? I still pretty feel pretty good about my guess. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, which brings us to my NCAA volleyball tournament question. Buy or sell that of the 16 total matches that will be played in the second round tomorrow, at least half of them will result in a sweep. And I'm buying this. If you go back and look at the history of this year tournament, it's a little bit different this year, a smaller field. But this is where the big dogs come in. We had a lot of smaller matchups, save for Notre Dame Army. Uh, I think there's going to be a fair few sweeps. In fact, eight might be a little bit low. But I, I think, yeah, we're going to see a lot of sweeps. So give me the buy. This is the eternal rest versus rust debate here, but I think I'll very hesitantly and with a lot of caution side with Tim on this one. I'll, oh, I'll take the sweeps. I'm going to do it. Siding with me, a rare occasion. Plug my nose and do it. Just for reference, today, and there's still four matches to be played tonight, there have been five sweeps today. The competition steps up tomorrow. No way. This is a sell. <laughs> I'm Look, selling. All right. Well, that didn't take long for Ben to come up with that. Okay. You guys will be eating your words tomorrow, but that's okay. It's fine with me. All right. My first question of the night is something you guys talked about in the opening hour of the show. Husker baseball, buy or sell that Nebraska baseball hosts a regional. Mm. I... Don't know if I trust the NCAA to do the right thing, but I will be an optimist and I will say we get a regional in Lincoln this year. I'm buying. Wow. That. Yeah. Sure hope you're right. I'm I'm, an, I'm the eternal pessimist. I don't even have a good reason. I just think that sometimes bad things happen to good people, and I don't know if it's going to happen the NCAA because we were just talking on the show not too long ago about the Big Ten not being really valued in Nebraska, most especially. Um, you know, if they finish first, I guess, but. Even then, you, you could see him getting gypped out of a not getting a regional. So I'm going to have to unfortunately sell it. I, I'm. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going to sell it. Yeah, I'm. I'm selling it too. Um, just don't have enough faith that that's going to happen. There's going to be of the 16 host sites. There's going to be eight or nine SECs. So that's more than half taken up right there. And uh, I just. I just don't trust the, the system. Okay, moves us on to Josh's Husker V-Ball question. Buy or sell that Nebraska's team leader in kills for each NCAA tournament match will have an average of 16 kills. So I'm going to sell that. 16 seems about right. That's a pretty good line, but I think that's a little high for each match. So, so I'm going to sell that. Yeah, um, like, like tomorrow, if they sweep Texas State... Does that give enough opportunities for somebody to get to 16? A sweep, it's hard, I think, to get to 16 kills, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sell it as well. Yeah, I think Greg's logic's right there. I just 16 seems like a lot if you're only playing three sets. 
But it is the tournament time, so you're, you know you're not afraid to go to the well if you have to. But I'm still gonna sell. All right. Did you mention that Josh bought this question? I did not, but yeah, Josh, Josh buying it, so he, he might know something we don't. I am not confident in that right now, so I will follow suit and sell. Bringing us to Brett's NBA question: Buy or sell that the Boston Celtics outscore the Los Angeles Lakers? by at least 15 points, so Boston wins by 15 in tomorrow's game, or that a player goes for over 40 in the game. Hmm. And Brett sold this one. So you need Boston by 15 or someone to go off for 40. And since Brett sold, I think I will sell as well. Yeah, well I guess yeah. Brett's out of soccer. I guess soccer's over now, I guess, because Brett's got an NBA question. Dip into that well, so... Both both those lines seem pretty extreme to me. I, yeah. I don't know that I see a 15-point spread, although the Lakers are beat up, right? They don't have half their team Completed, right now. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that happens. 40 seems a little still rare in, in an NBA game to just pluck one out of the thin air. I'll sell it, too. Yeah, I'm going to sell as well. Uh, that's a lot to ask. I think Tatum just had 53 the other night for Boston. It'd be either him or Jalen Brown to do it. I don't think anyone the Lakers can do it. As much as I love Kemba, he's not getting to 40 (laughs) this year. Had a good game last night, though. I think he had like 21, 8, and 7. Those are better games. Um, It'd be the 15-point margin, but Boston has been so up and down this year. I I don't trust them to do that. So, And, you know, you're thinking back to the, the game on Saturday between the Lakers and the Nets. Um, the Lakers were played with a very similar squad and still had a really good night, so I'm selling. The order flips over. Greg, back to you. Major League Baseball for my next one. Buy or sell that someone in the league hits gets to 10 home runs before May 1st. Right now you have one guy at six and a handful of guys at five. And Wilson today's Ramos, the 14th right? of, I think he yeah, mm-hmm. Ramos is at six. It's the 14th of April here. So you still have half the month to go, but I'm going to sell it. Hmm. Yeah, Ramos is not going to be leading the major league in home runs for very much longer. It's just, I mean, you could have won some money in Vegas at at any point after a week that he uh, led the major league in home runs. He would have been pretty rich. I know uh, guys like Rafael Devers, he's on fire right now. He had like four days in a row with a home run. I think Byron Buxton has five maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler Naquin, another guy just out of nowhere that I just don't see them, don't see him getting to. But do you believe in Ryan McMahon? I do actually. I'm very high on Ryan McMahon, and he plays at Coors Field. Man, that's five home runs at the end of the month, though. Nah, because I think most of these guys are really hot right now. They're going to cool off by the end of the month, so I'm selling it. Oh, man, I don't like this. What about Freddie Freeman? I don't know. <laughs> Spin me down for a buy. I'm, I'm, I got to gamble on one of these. Freddie, Freddie's going to do it. Why not? I'm with Greg and Ben on this one. I will sell it as well. Okay, and that gives us back to uh, Ben for a Husker baseball cue. Okay, here we go. 
buy or sell that Nebraska's jersey numbers one through five have more hits than the rest of the team combined against Penn State? Come on. I'm going to have to look at the roster. <laughs> well, I'll help you out, Tim. You got Spencer <laughs> Schwellenbach, Jackson Hallmark, Logan Foster, Max Anderson, and Joe mm-hmm. Acker. So that's that's a good, good group of five there. Um, everybody one through five outside of Foster is in the lineup every day. Hallmark's hitting the two spot, Schwellenbach in the three spot, Anderson in the five spot, and Acker in the leadoff spot. So you're talking about four of Nebraska's first five batters have more hits than the rest of the team combined against Penn State. Give me the low numbers. I'm buying it. Uh, Well, you fail to take into account that uh, Bryce Matthews is not number one through five, and he's going to have all the hits. So, uh, sell. Nope, that's a buy. Give me the top of the order. I like it. Bye. Okay. No, no drama there. Brings us to my Major League Baseball question. Buy or sell that the Red Sox winning streak will last at least three more games, or J.D. Martinez has an extra base hit in two out of the next three games. And I am going to sell that because that actually is too ambitious even for me. I like to ask some really out there questions on this here program and uh, I'm selling it because I think Boston's probably going to lose to Chicago when they play them I think they'd probably beat Minnesota tomorrow maybe lose the White Sox so I'm going to I'm going to sell then I think JD might be slowing down he had that great game against the Orioles on Sunday but probably going to slow down so sell working in the Red Sox favor is that they face not exactly the 90s Braves pitchers and Michael Pineda Dylan Cease and Dallas Keuchel but still, I think they're they're due to cool off. And Martinez is hot. If there's anyone that could get that extra base hit streak going and keep it alive, it'd be him. But I think that's a little bit too much to ask, so I will sell it. Yeah, the Martinez part's intriguing. I don't think they win three more in a row. I think they probably lose tomorrow to the Twins. But J.D. getting an extra base hit in two of the next three, that's, that's really possible. But... I'll err on the side of caution and sell it. Yeah, he's one of the hottest hitters on the planet right now. But two of the next three extra base hits? Yes. I mean, if it was just base hits, I would have taken it. But extra base hits, that's that's a no-go for me. Well, okay. Now All Austin right. will finish us off. Yep. Last question of the week, Husker softball. Buy or sell that Husker softball scores at least 24 runs or allows fewer than 12 runs against Minnesota in this weekend's four-game series. The impetus behind this question, Nebraska baseball absolutely steamrolls Minnesota baseball. I was going to set the line at 39 runs like Nebraska baseball scored, but that seemed a little ambitious, so 60% of that I thought was fair. And I'm going to buy this or question. Give me the red team. Hmm. Gophers are ranked... Um, they're like 24th in the country, so I'm going to sell it. Yeah, I'm, I'm selling it too. Same logic, and Austin never gets his questions right. So <laughs> that is the, the logic here. That's, that's airtight logic. I'm selling it as well. In fact, I think I sold like everything but like two questions on here. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to sell and streak, keep it going, sell this. And that will do it for this week's edition of Buy or Sell. We heard from the two coordinators after practice in hour one of the program. They also made several players available, including Oliver Martin, who transferred into the Nebraska program last summer and made a couple catches last fall for the Big Red. He was 
uh, made available to the media today. And one of the things he was asked was how has his role been with this team this spring? Um, it's gone really well. I feel, I feel fast, explosive. I'm really confident in my abilities right now. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like I can execute the plays that the coaches are calling, whether it's uh, getting open in a zone or getting open against man coverage. Uh, I, I feel really good with where I'm at right now. Are they moving you around a lot? Or just kind of- uh, I'm playing primarily outside receiver, at the X or Z. Um, I've played a little bit in the slot, and I think that I might play there more as we progress through spring and through the summer, but I've played primarily on the outside. Ben, this is a guy that's just been searching for a home, signed with Michigan out of high school. He grew up in the shadows of Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City. So he came back home and just didn't really kind of felt like he didn't fit in and I think wanted to be away from, from home and ended up in Lincoln. So he's he's on his third Big Ten team. Uh, and, and the coaches have talked glowingly about Oliver Martin over the last six months since he's been a part of the program. He started popping up quite frequently at the end of last season too a guy that you know for we didn't know for how long that he was going to be eligible um until he finally was granted eligible and jumped right in and um gave a lot of snaps to the team so I, and he, he's another guy's name that just keeps seem to be popping up so I, i've kind of got my eye on oliver you know once the fall rolls around I'm, I'm with you there we've heard so many people talk about that they're working more on the vertical passing game, something that seemed to be missing a lot a year ago. Here's Oliver Martin talking about that. Um, I think the emphasis a little bit because we last year in games, I don't, I don't know if that was like the first read in a lot of our plays. And uh, now there's more of an emphasis on if there is a vertical route and a concept, you know, to give it a look, even if it's not the first, supposed to be the first read, because we. We've shown over over the spring um, that we can consistently get open on deep routes. That's encouraging to hear him say that. He was also asked, how, how has his knowledge of the playbook expanded now that he's been in the program a while longer? Um, I would say the biggest boost to my confidence has been uh, just knowing the playbook really well. So I can I can look at the defense a little bit more and read the defense and be able to run my route accordingly to that versus last year where I was thinking a little bit more about my assignment on the play and uh, not as I'd, I wasn't spending as much time reading the defense. So that that's definitely helping me play a little more naturally and loose. So. All right, Ben, let's switch to defense. Miles Farmer was, you know, I, I think you and I have both been big fans of his since he signed with Nebraska a couple years ago. Then he had that just horrific injury while he was warming up at Purdue. That field has just been a house of horrors for Nebraska with guys dropping left and right. I don't know what it is about that playing surface there at ross Aid Stadium, but it does seem to nab a lot of Huskers when we go there. Here's Miles talking about the progress he's made in rehabbing that injury. Uh, I was able to come back uh, sometime after Christmas, and I was in the training room. Like uh, My ankle is doing good. I'm running back running around and stuff, so I feel good out there. I'm not back 100%, but I feel good. Just great to have him back out there, right? I mean, I, that thing looked like he might be out a year. Yeah, that was that was quite disturbing seeing that on the you know on the on the pregame feed there. Um, that was that was pretty pretty rough to watch. So yeah, it's it's absolutely uh, great to have him even a, even a part of things and you know doing things right now at at the level that he is. 
when he got hurt, the coaches were really t- trying to rotate him in there with Dismuke and Williams at the safety spot. This probably is setting back a little bit, but I think that they also know he's just so talented that they've got to get him on there more than just special teams play. He was asked about the competition right now in that defensive back room and then what uh, what they've been up against against the offense here in the spring. Finishing. We got to finish. Like, you know, like, we got to go hard every rep. Make no mistakes. Everything got to be crispy clean because if, off- if the offense don't make no mistakes, we can't make no mistakes. If the offense make a mistake, we got to correct their mistake. So it's really like you just got to go 100 every play. Having them guys come back is really like they know what's going on. They're more experienced. So it's like you got a standard to live up to. So like you can't, you can't make no mistakes, really. That's how we look at it. That's how I look at it. It's good to him to hear him say that. He's trying to learn from Dismuke and Williams. I think that's a good good kind of place to put his mind in right now. Quentin Newsom, another young secondary guy who got playing time a year ago, had some big plays defensively for this team. He he was asked if the game is slowing down for him a little bit this year. Yeah, I feel like last year last year really helped me out uh, getting on the field with the experience because now that I got the experience from last year in spring ball, I just, it's like everything's clicking for me. And uh, everything's not... You know, it feel like everything slowed down. But last year, everything was just so fast to me. But it's just like everything is good. Like, I feel comfortable back there. Might be a starter, right, Ben? I mean, he could be the starter opposite Cam Taylor-Britt. Yeah, he, he very well could be. And the, the coaches seem to be pretty high on him and, and what he can bring to the table as well. So it's part of the reason why we talked in hour one about the cornerback two spot. I think there's a lot to be – excited about there in terms of competition he was then uh you know when you play for coach fisher he makes you learn multiple positions he wants guys who could if they have to slide back and be a safety or if they're a safety slide up and be a corner be in coverage uh he talks about the challenge of learning both of those positions well when i was at safety you know safety a leader on the team you know he basically runs the defense and everything so i think being a safety it kind of helped me it kind of helped me with the plays, like with playbooks and stuff, kind of like wanting to know everything that's going on for myself, even though I'm at corner, you know. So just knowing like kind of like the corner and safety position, uh, it just – I think it helps me and it gives me a good advantage. Quentin Newsom there, one of the, the Huskers made available to the media today. Thought it would be good to hear from some of those guys.